March 2023 edition of Agribusiness News, brought to you by the Farm Advisory Service. Agribusiness News helps you to scan your horizon, prepare for industry changes, and keeps you abreast of the latest research and policy updates. Along with our regular monthly updates on policy briefs, cereals and oilseed rape, beef, sheep, and milk, in this edition, we're also bringing you two sector overviews on pigs and dairy. We will also be bringing you news on peatland restoration and the agricultural reforms route map. Hello, my name is Christine Beaton and I'm the editor of this month's edition. First up, we have this month's news. As we head into spring, while more than 50 years old, the Doug Larson quote, spring is when you feel like whistling, even with a shoe full of slush, could be viewed as a modern day metaphor. In the face of a winter full of economic slush in the form of rising bank rates, 10% inflation, and the cost of living crisis, finding things to whistle or be optimistic about is proving a little more challenging, especially with the expectation that the bank base rate will rise by 0.25% to 4.25% on the 23rd of March. From an agribusiness perspective, the optimism bag is definitely mixed, depending on which sector you're in. While milk and sheep prices have started to slide after record highs, beef prices continue to climb, linked to tight supplies and higher demand by English buyers for store cattle. And while recent price rises in the pig sector have given pig farmers a much needed lift, further price rises are needed to restore profitability. However, in the face of falling fertiliser prices, some farmers are regretting their decision to buy early, but getting their fingers burned two years in a row just wasn't an option. While there will be a shuffling of shoes on the political front, To help land managers plan ahead, the Scottish Government has published its Agricultural Reform Roadmap, which sets out the timetable for changes to farming and environmental policy between now and 2027. While the existing support will continue as expected in 2023 and 2024, new conditionality and new tiers of support will be brought in from 2025 onwards. The recently introduced Animal Health and Welfare Intervention Funding will provide livestock farmers with funds of up to £750 in 2023, the aim being to encourage livestock keepers to enhance the health and welfare of their flock or herd, which in turn aids efficiency of production, resulting in lower greenhouse gas emissions per kilo of output. On a lighter note, please take time to dip into the Peatland Restoration article by James Banks. The benefits of looking after our peatlands is definitely something to whistle about. Moving on to this month's policy briefs. As part of the Preparing for Sustainable Farming initiative, the Scottish Government has introduced new animal health and welfare intervention funding. This is open to all livestock producers with a business reference number. The aim is to encourage livestock keepers to enhance the health and welfare of their flocks and herds, which aids efficiency of production, resulting in lower greenhouse gas emissions per kilogram of output. Each year, producers can pick two interventions from the following list. Bull pre-breeding examination to British Cattle Veterinary Association standard. Calf respiratory investigation. This can include virus screen. Screen 12 animals per management group or all sheep with less than 12 in the flock to determine sheep scab status of the whole flock. Targeted iceberg disease investigation. Screen cull use prior to sale, selecting animals with low condition scores. Flock lameness assessment by vet. Identify conditions and their prevalence within the flock. Liver fluke. 
faecal egg count on sentinel animals and flucocyte efficacy testing. Gastrointestinal parasite or worm investigation, faecal egg count and worm efficacy testing. While having a carbon audit when choosing options is recommended, it is not currently mandatory. A standard cost of £250 can be claimed for each intervention, in addition to which, with the first claim, producers are eligible to receive an additional payment of £250 for doing development activities, time spent researching animal health and welfare best practice appropriate to their flock or herd. Payment will be made on evidence of investigation plus advice action provided on the standard supporting document. The action must be defined by an expert advisor for example, a vet or agricultural consultant. Without this, no payment will be made. Work needs to be carried out by the 31st of December 2023 and claims made by the 28th of February 2024. The deadline for submitting Sustainable Agricultural Capital Grant Scheme claims has now been extended to Friday the 31st of March in response to issues affecting the equipment supply chain. To help with budgeting going forward, for details of the 2023 payment timetable covering direct payments and Scottish Rural Development Programme payments, please visit the Scottish Government website. As part of the fourth National Planning Framework, the Scottish Parliament has approved a new national planning policy whereby proposals for new commercial peat extraction, including extensions to existing site, will not be supported, except in very limited circumstances. Currently, 1,000 hectares of peat is used for commercial peat extraction, most of which is used by the horticultural industry, a small amount for fuel, and around 1% is used in the malting process of whisky production. As part of the Scottish Government's wider plans to protect peatlands and reduce carbon emissions, the intention is to ban the retail sale of peat for home gardening first, before considering how a wider ban would affect commercial users. As part of the ending the sale of peat consultation views are being sought from those who extract peat, supply peat and other users of peat such as the fuel and whisky industries. The sponsors to the consultation will inform plans and timescales for moving away from using peat products in order to protect peatlands from further damage. As part of Just Transition, a fairer greener Scotland, the Facility for Investment Ready Nature in Scotland programme managed by Nature Scott is offering grants of up to £240,000 to organisations and partnerships to help restore and improve the natural environment, for example woodland creation and peatland restoration. Applicants need to demonstrate this means to engage and share benefits with communities. Key dates to note 24th of March 2023 EEK's slurry storage application deadline. 31st of March. SAG's claim deadline extended from the 28th of February. World wheat markets are seeing short-term downward price pressure from large Russian export surplus, undercutting EU wheat exports into North Africa. At the same time, Brazil is harvesting record soya and maize crops, and this is pressuring world feed grain and oilseeds values lower. Soil production in Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay in 2022-23 is now seen at 204 million tonnes, compared to 177.6 million tonnes last year, despite the drought in Argentina. Looking to new crop, spring plantings are just beginning, but winter crops are suffering from dry conditions in Europe and winter wheat is suffering possible winter damage in the US. 
The concern is Europe is that the dry spell is forecast to continue into April and soil moisture levels are already low in many areas. This means crop potential will be linked to regular rainfall during the growing season. The USDA released their first estimates for US crop areas, production and use for 2023 harvest. The trend is for higher cropped area led by wheat and maize, with soya broadly stable. Better yields are also seen assuming a return to average weather conditions. Always a big if at this early stage. Maize sowings are expected to rise despite high fuel and fertiliser costs. US and global interest rates are also rising, now at 45% versus 0.5% just one year ago. This makes input-intensive crops such as maize less attractive than soya beans. Also, high interest rates are a disincentive to store grain, increasing harvest price pressure. U.S. soya beans are expected to face growing competition from a much larger South American soya crop. The USDA also estimated a fall in maize and other crop prices. This all depends on weather and crop yields as projected. Based on this, USDA project U.S. ex-farm maize prices falling £40 per tonne from £223 per tonne in 2022-23 to £183 per tonne in 2023-24. This is almost in line with current UK wheat futures prices, which at present are set to fall from £254 per tonne to £234 per tonne in 23-24. To summarise, increased US grain and soya production and rising exports on world markets projected. US crop production remains subject to unknown weather conditions. Higher input prices and rising interest rates continue to dampen market incentives for maize in particular. UK wheat prices have ended around £5 per tonne down on a month ago, having fluctuated widely in recent weeks. Export demand remains strong. There are some local UK factors that suggest a risk of weakness for UK grain prices towards the season's end, though these local factors could be overridden at any time by wider global weather and political events. UK wheat exports pays remains below what needed to clear the wheat surplus risk of stock overhang at year end. Domestic feed barley demand drops in late spring if grass growth resumes on time. On the upside, dry conditions across the south and east of England are a growing risk factor for cereal yields with the forecast for the dry spell to extend into April. At particular risk is the large area of spring malting barley grown in North Norfolk on light soil that is important for the UK's overall malting supply and demand balance and ultimately prices in Scotland too. Prime cattle prices have continued on an upward trend, reaching record highs in recent weeks due to reduced supplies. At the time of writing, Scotch R4L grading steers were sitting around 482 pence per kilogram. The continuing shortage of cattle throughout the UK, alongside a strong Irish price, is pushing beef prices to a record level, with processors having to pay out more to secure numbers. Reports suggest that in the short term, the finished price could increase further. English demand for cattle continues to be a driving force in the store ring, fueling price rises as bigger, heavier types are highly sought after as English finishers actively look to source these. Given that English buyers are prepared to pay more for heavier cattle due to heavier weight limits, increasing numbers of cattle are heading south. Many Scottish finishers are now unwilling to compete 
for those expensive stores, with reports suggesting Scottish abattoirs might look at dropping their limits in order to maintain supply. Store cattle prices have continued to increase and are now traded at never-seen-before prices. Continental steers are averaging 300 pence per kilo, with heifers averaging 290 pence per kilo. Many suckler producers are taking advantage of the strong store trade opting to sell now instead of the spring sales. The current beef boom is offering great encouragement, coupled with a recent drop in fertiliser and grain prices. There is a lot of positivity and optimism currently. However, margins continue to be squeezed for finishers, with the high prices being paid in the store ring. For yet another consecutive month, cow trade remains strong, with prices in the live ring continuing upwards. Beef cow numbers are now tightening due to the volume of cull cows already slaughtered, so those now available are breaking records at markets throughout the country. Week on week, markets are reporting new record highs. The strong cull price has undoubtedly been a major factor in decisions made on farm with regards to suckler cow. However, lack of succession and tenancy issues have also influenced the numbers forward. With milk prices potentially dropping, there could be an influx of dairy cows available, which will help with demand for manufacturing beef. While a year after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, many farmers are still feeling the effects, with many businesses struggling with cash flow following 2022's inflated input costs. Optimism amid store cattle prices and fat cattle being at record levels was reflected at the recent spring bull sales where bulls met a buoyant trade after strong demand from commercial buyers. Moving on to sheep. The hog trade has continued to be dampened with lower prices than we have been experiencing in the last number of years, with a typical prime lamb being back in the region of £16 per head on the year. SQQ found that £5.86 per kilogram in February 2022 versus £5.11 per kilogram in February 2023. Typically, lamb trade is influenced by various factors including supply, demand, international trade and currency exchange. The euro is currently at a favourable trading level. One euro equals £0.879 on the 23rd of February. However, in the UK, AHCB have predicted the 2022 lamb crop was 3% higher than 2021, resulting in a total of an estimated 17.7 million lambs, increasing our supply to the market. While our production has increased, the national consumption has fallen mainly due to recession and consumers choosing cheaper sources of protein. Some are commenting that the supermarkets look to be stocking an increased level of New Zealand lamb. But looking at data from Beef and Lamb New Zealand for October to January over the last three years, the trend is for less lamb coming into the UK and more lamb entering the closer market of China. We've seen New Zealand imports reduce from 11,050 tonnes in 2020-2021 to 6,495 tonnes in 2022-23. In addition to the increased supply and reduced demand, the number of lambs that are being marketed as prime which are light and underfinished, may also be impacting the prime price. We've seen the price fluctuate slightly in the last month for lambs. This is largely due to producers reacting to the trade. In a week that there are less lambs and trade has improved, the following week, more lambs come forward, which then decreases the price. 
The Muslim festival Ramadan will start on the 22nd of March and finish on the 21st of April, while Easter is in the middle of this being the 9th of April. This March and April timing will be towards the end of hogs, which as supply reduces and demand increases, the price should benefit. The ewe trade has been similar to the lamb trade, with the edge being taken off previous year's prices. The average ewe price is back £17 on the year. Scottish average, £88.43, February 2022, and £71.36, February 2023. With many producers now scanning, barren sheep are coming forward to the sale ring while the domestic demand is depressed. However, many are reporting good scannings and a low volume of barren ewes. This may insist in reducing a vast volume in supply over the coming months as scanning the late lambing flocks progress. Now let's move on to the sector focus on pigs. The new year has brought new hope to the pig sector with price records being broken on an almost weekly basis. There is some optimism that 2023 will finally see the pig sector turn the corner after two years of sustained heavy losses by producers and the inevitable contraction in the number of farms keeping pigs and breeding sows. With supply getting much tighter, it is hoped that prices continue to rise, allowing the beleaguered sector to return to profitability. From a low of 137 pence per kilogram in February 2022, as supplies of pigs tightened, the standard pig price has risen by 50% to just over 206 pence per kilogram. While the steady influx of much cheaper product from the EU has kept a lid on prices in the UK, the past few weeks has seen prices rise significantly on the continent, with the influential German price now at 2.20 euros, equivalent to 194 pence per kilogram. This should act as the catalyst for further price rises for UK producers in the weeks and months ahead. According to AHDB, slaughter weights have remained consistently around 89 kilograms since the start of the year which is 6 kilograms lighter than 12 months ago when the backlog of pigs on farms was at its height. The reduction in sow numbers has fed also through to the number of finished pigs coming through, with 36,000 and 31,000 fewer clean pigs slaughtered than the same week in February 2022 and 2021 respectively in the UK. Cull sows have struggled over the past couple of years due to the effects of Brexit, the pandemic and plentiful numbers coming forward as herds were reduced or dispersed due to the ongoing pig crisis, with cull sows worth only around £0.25 per kilogram last spring. A lot of meat for not much money. Just like the finished pigs, a corner seems to have been turned, with steady rises through the summer and autumn and the past few weeks has seen further large increases in prices, with cull sow valuations now over £1.10 per kilogram. The more positive outlook has seen more specialist finishers return to the marketplace with 30 kilogram wieners trading at £55 per head, although supplies are tight. Despite prices hitting record levels, the latest published margins from AHDB for quarter three of 2022 show production costs estimated to be close to £2.20 per kilogram. Estimated losses of 26 pence per kilogram or 23 pounds per pig are continuing to take their toll on producers' bank balances and business viability. Recent price rises has seen the gap close further, with
with some of the most efficient producers close to breaking even. Despite the UK being a little over 50% self-sufficient in pig meat, imports increased in 2022, although exports also increased particularly of fifth quarter products. News of a free trade deal with South Korea has been welcomed by the pig sector, with the National Pig Association calling the UK government to support the development of exports into the country, which has the third highest levels of pork consumption per capita. Based on the contraction of the pig breeding herd due to a combination of poor prices and sow fertility being impacted last summer by hot weather and the subsequent knock-on effect on numbers of finishing pigs. UK pig meat production is expected to reduce by 15% in 2023, according to AHDB's pork outlook. On a more positive note, the same study also expects the breeding herd to recover by 7,000 head by June 2023. Falling consumer demand has also been blamed for some of the sector's woes, with AHDB outlook predicting a 2% fall before the current cost of living crisis. According to Kintar, in the 12 weeks to the 22nd of January 2023, volumes of pig meat purchased by UK consumers were back 2.8% on the year, although total spend increased by 8.1% in the same period. QMS has launched new standards for its pig assurance scheme, which will be effective from the 1st of May 2023. Mandatory training for those handling, moving and managing casualties is to be introduced along with enhanced biosecurity and fallen stock containment measures being some of the major changes. AHDB milk production data shows the output for January 2023 is estimated at 1,256.09 million litres before butterfat adjustment, an increase of 22.91 million litres on a year-on-year basis. Cumulative UK production for the 2022-23 milk year to the end of January 23 stands at 12,486.27 million litres before butterfat adjustment. Cumulative production for the 22-23 production yield has been running behind 21-22 production levels for most of the 22-23 production year. However, that has changed during January 2023. Cumulative production to the end of January 23 is now 13.13 million litres higher than the same time last year. For the time of writing, the UK average milk price for January 2023 is not yet available from DEFRA or AHDB. The UK average milk price for December 2022 was previously reported at 51.51 pence per litre and represents a record high. However, UK farm gate prices are now reducing across the board for March 2023. Given the usual rise in milk output towards May each year, further price reductions are expected. The following list highlights farm gate prices for March 2023. Please note that the following prices are in pence per litre. Sainsbury's. Members of the Sainsbury's Dairy Development Group will receive a 2.06 price reduction from 1st of March. This takes the liquid standard litre price down from 46.50 to 44.44 from Moolah suppliers. All the members of SDDG will receive the same 2.06 reduction from 1st of March and will see their prices move down from 46.38 to 44.32. Tesco 
the Tesco Sustainable Dairy Group milk price is to reduce by 3.00 from 1st of March. The decrease will take the standard litre price down from 47 to 44 in line with the Muller Direct milk price reduction. Muller Direct 3.00 price cut confirmed from 1st of March. This takes the liquid standard litre price for Scottish suppliers back to 43.75. 44 for English and Welsh suppliers. Muller Organic 2.0 price cut confirmed from 1st of March. The organic farm gate milk price reduces to 53.0 for March. Muller Lidl 3.0 price cut to the Muller Lidl three-year fixed price contract from 1st of March. The reduction is in line with the reduction to the Muller Direct milk price and takes the liquid standard litre price down to 44 from 1st of March. Co-op 2.68 price reduction confirmed from 1st of March. This takes the liquid standard litre price down from 46.83 to 44.15. First milk, 4.0 price cut. First milk liquid price is 44.16 and first milk manufacturing is 45.69. Fresh milk company, 5.0 price cut confirmed from 1st of March. Liquid standard litre price is 41.81. U Tree Dairy 3.0 reduction to 8 volume litres from 1st March. This takes liquid standard litre price down from 47 to 44. Arla Direct 2.65 price cut confirmed. The manufacturing standard litre price reduces to 45.93 and liquid standard litre reduces to 44.09. Arla Foods Amber there was a late announcement at the end of January 23 in relation to the milk price for February. The Arla milk price reduced by 3.0 euro cents from 1st of February 2023. The manufacturing standard litre price reduced by 2.65 to 48.47, whilst the liquid standard litre price reduced by 2.54 to 46.57. For the main UK dairy commodity prices for January, butter has fallen to £4,120 per tonne. Skim milk powder has fallen to £2,270 per tonne. Bulk cream is £1,747 per tonne and mild cheddar to £4,200 per tonne. We're now going to move on to the sector focus on dairy. GB milk production for the 2022-23 milk year is projected to be 12.44 billion litres, 0.7% above 2021-22, with reduction to mid-February 23 being 3% higher than mid-February 22. With more milk available, a building of product stocks and reduced sales of dairy products due to incomes being squeezed, commodity prices are falling resulting in many processes announcing sizable price cuts for March milk. With some farmers faced with low forage stocks due to last year's dry summer, turning cows out early could exacerbate the current overproduction and potential drive down prices further or quicker. However, equally, falling milk prices and high prices for cull cows may prompt producers to cull unproductive cows and or scale back production, or to decide to give up dairying. This could result in a potential fall in milk production, especially if coupled with a cold late spring and drought conditions in early summer, which could help stabilise farm gate milk prices. 
With falling milk prices, it is important that producers don't make knee-jerk changes with regards to cost of production that could harm herd fertility, health or milk yield going forward. Factoring in the approaching spring flush of milk, producers are concerned how low prices might drop given that the average cost of production is currently estimated at 45 pence per litre. Given that linked falling fuel prices, fertiliser prices have dropped significantly. Imported ammonium nitrate fell by £188 per tonne from October 2022 to £682 per tonne in January 2022 and is expected to drop into the £400 per tonne region soon. Producers should not cut back on fertiliser requirements as it will reduce grass yield and nutritional quality leading to higher feed costs next winter. Tightening up on grassland management by opting for rotational grazing paddocks grazing systems over set stocking will help to improve grass production and quality over the grazing season. Is there potential to turn stock out earlier than normal? For example, in calf heifers and low yielders. Use a plate meter or sword stick to measure grass covers and look to graze the driest fields. Even if only for a few hours a day will save on bedding, forage and concentrate costs. With barley now below £200 per tonne X farm, some lower protein cereal based purchase feeds have reduced by 10 to £15 per tonne over the last month. However, soya has soared to £590 per tonne delivered, linked to the drought in Argentina, which has increased the demand on mid proteins such as rapeseed meal or distillers' dark grains. With straits prices up on average 15% since the Ukraine war began, unfortunately the reduction in cereals will have little impact on overall farm feed costs. However, if not currently contracted until the summer, test all foragers to review rations and shop around for feed. Be prepared to try something new and make changes on the back of sound nutritional advice. Equally, review management practices. For example, more regular push-ups, improving ration presentation and minimising sorting behaviour can all help increase forage and overall dry matter intakes to drive milk output. Health is wealth. Producers are advised to keep accurate records of production, diseases, lameness, mastitis and fertility issues which can affect feed conversion efficiency and reduce milk output. These should be reviewed regularly and discussed with the business's vet and nutritionist with regards to potential areas for improvement. Individual productivity is important. Scrutinise their milk production in relation to their feed or keeping costs and determine whether they justify their position in the herd. If there are sufficient heifers coming through and cull prices are good, it could be worth culling less productive animals. Faced with falling milk prices, some producers may be tempted to cut inputs to reduce their costs of production, especially if faced with cash flow issues. However, care must be taken. Ensure cuts can be made without harming herd health, fertility or milk yield. Keeping an open dialogue with lenders and suppliers will help to manage outstanding creditors and overdraft levels. Equally, given the uncertainty in milk price, and when the milk market may start to stabilise, sitting tight and not making any major changes or scaling back slightly to take advantage of high cow cow prices is well worth considering. Now, let's move on to peatland restoration. 
Food is amazing. It has been used to heat our homes, flavour our whiskey, and when I was little, it helped me to grow carrots. However, when I started walking in the hills, I hated peat. Peat meant battling through sucking filthy bogs, trying to hop from tussock to unstable tussock, sliming down slimy black gullies and climbing through a maze of hags. Peat meant wet feet, stained clothes, fatigue and fear of being swallowed in a dirty quagmire. That was in the dark peak hills between Sheffield and Manchester. But then, while at university, my eyes were opened. One of my lecturers showed me the beauty of sphagnum moss under a magnifying glass, revealing the intricacies of the leaves wrapped around tiny branches in wonderful shades of red, pink, green and subtle browns. I also discovered the stunning birds and flowers of a healthy peatland ecosystem and was astonished by the volume of water a handful of sphagnum can hold. Before the current appreciation of the importance of peatland restoration, I helped with a small project that tried to reduce the sediment flowing in a little stream. The Pennine peatlands of Lancashire, Cheshire and Yorkshire were hammered by the Industrial Revolution. A toxic legacy of acidic rains and soot reduced the vitality of the plants and overgrazing and burning created a dark, bleak landscape with swaths of bare peat, hollows and hags to trap unwary walkers. Peat eroded, washed into watercourses and occasionally dried into summer dust. Our project was an attempt to reduce the burden on water companies. If we could reduce the mass of peat entering the rivers and reservoirs, it would substantially reduce the water treatment costs. Water flowing from degraded peatlands is peat tea, stained with tannins and humic acids and is full of sediment and expensive to treat. We nailed planks across gullies and used forestry thinnings to slow the flow of water. We tried pegging lumps of turf to block streams, aiming to make little ponds. We also used sandbags and stone taken from some pathwork. Some of our attempts worked quite well, showing the way forward but it was difficult, slow and messy work and there was no money to continue. Later, as I understood more of the science of climate change, the potential of peatlands to reduce the volume of carbon dioxide added to the atmosphere became clear to me. Scotland can reduce about 15% of its carbon emissions by fixing its peat bogs. Wildlife gains, water quality gains, flood risks diminish and landscapes improve with no lifestyle changes by the public. Peatland restoration is the single most useful thing Scots can do to help heal our degraded land and address the twin emergencies of climate change and biodiversity loss. Damaged peat bogs leak huge amounts of carbon. Healthy bogs only absorb a little bit of carbon dioxide, but crucially, they hold onto it for thousands of years. The Peatland Action Funding Programme of Nature Scott can pay for most of the restoration of our peatlands. The target is huge, the skilled and experienced workforce small. At SRUC Barony, I lead training programmes to boost the numbers of people who can restore peatland ecosystems. Ecologists don't always have an easy relationship with gamekeepers, but when I explained to one why I was driving up his track, he surprised me. The most widespread bog restoration technique in Scotland is to block the grips that draining vast areas of our landscape. 
These drains were put in to try and dry out our peatlands in order to improve grazing. They seem to have had no real benefit and done a great deal of harm. A typical grip might be 50 centimetres wide and 60 centimetres deep, just enough to trap young grouse. The keeper explained how delighted he was that we were blocking the grips so he wouldn't have to pull out handfuls of little bodies from the channels after heavy rain. Fisheries scientists and hydrologists seem to love peatland restoration too. Reduced sediment in the water running off a restored bog means that delicate fish gills are less likely to become damaged and dams don't fill up with eroded peat. Healthy peatlands smooth out water flow, meaning that small-scale hydroelectric schemes have more consistent and reliable water levels. Salmon need large areas of gravel bottom burns in which to lay their eggs and have them successfully hatch. Peat sediment smothers and kills fish eggs and many of the aquatic invertebrates small fish need to eat. The Scottish Government, through Nature Scots Peatland Action Programme, has allocated £250 million to restore 250,000 hectares by 2030. In the last 10 years, we've managed around 30,000 hectares. To restore the rest, we'll need about 1,500 more people who have the relevant skills. The SRUC and Nature Scott training courses are trying to address this need by teaching how to survey, map and assess the condition of peatlands and how to select and evaluate the most appropriate restoration techniques. By providing training in all the aspects of the design process, we're aiming to enable participants and their companies they represent to access the Peatland Action funding and develop effective projects. Together we hope to facilitate a workforce that can take Scotland on a journey towards net zero and a richer biodiversity. Finally, we will move on to Management Matters and the Agri-Reform Programme. To help farmers, crofters and landowners prepare for the changes ahead, the new Agricultural Reform Route Map, published by the Scottish Government as part of its vision for agriculture, published in March 2022, sets out timescales for changes to its farming environmental policies. In addition to confirming that the existing support will continue in 2023 and 2024, the route map outlines the changes to support from 2025 through 2027, linking in with the government's environmental targets for 2030. Basic payment scheme will continue in its existing form until 2024. In 2025, new conditionality requirements will be introduced with land managers being required to meet clearly defined essential standards that ensure activity, climate, biodiversity and business efficiency, as well as safeguarding animal health and welfare and workers' rights. BPS will be replaced by a tiered support system in 2026, initially providing base and enhanced support, with elective and complementary levels being added in 2027. Tier 1 covers base payments from 2025 with direct payments linked to meeting essential standards. Tier 2 covers enhanced payments from 2026 which is building on Tier 1 and linked to additional measures that will reduce greenhouse gas emissions and restore and improve nature. Tier 3 
covers elective payments from 2027 and covers targeted actions to support nature restoration, innovation and providing supply chain support. Tier 4 covers complementary payments from 2027 which are linked to developing people and management tools. While existing schemes such as less favoured area support, agri-environment and climate scheme and forestry grant schemes will continue until 2026. Changes may be introduced from 2025 to support the transition towards a more economic and sustainable model for the sector. Schemes including Agricultural Transformation Fund, Crofting Agricultural Grant Scheme, Knowledge Transfer and Innovation Fund and Food Processing Marketing and Cooperation will continue until 2026. The transitional support measures which are aimed at supporting land managers to prepare for changes to future support payments, e.g. carbon audits and soil sampling, support for animal health and welfare and my herd stats are expected to end by March 2025. Thanks very much for listening to this audio edition of the March 2023 Agribusiness News. This edition was edited by Christine Beaton and included articles written by Christine Beaton, Julian Bell, Sarah Balfour, Kirsten Williams, George Chalmers, Alistair Beatty, Lorna McPherson, James Banks and Mary Dalgilish. Presented by myself, Tiffany McTaggart and produced by Alistair Trail.